Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander and as always I am joined by my two handsome, debonair, intrepid co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. Um, if you want to, if this is the first time listening to this show, you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. And on today's episode, we are going to be providing a review of uh, 2000, the 2001 film directed and written by Richard Kelly, Donnie Darko. It was as though this plan had been with him all his life, pondered through the seasons, now in his 15th year crystallized with the pain of puberty. So why'd you move here? My mom had to get a restraining order against my stepdad. He has emotional problems. Oh, I have those too. What kind of emotional problems does your dad have? I met a new friend. Real or imaginary? You're a cop, Tony. Imaginary. I'm going to tell you a little story today about a young man whose life was completely destroyed by these instruments of fear. I haven't seen stuff. Donnie is experiencing what is commonly called a daylight hallucination. Good so, trailer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amazing Excellent. trailer. Um, actually, I'm a big fan of the Donnie Darko trailer, so it's funny that you uh, said that in jest, but I, I quite enjoy it. And uh, <laughs> I think the way it uses music, I think, sets up the movie uh, pretty well. Uh, so Donnie Darko is a very interesting film, and I'm very excited to talk about it. It's one that I've wanted to talk about in this show for quite some time. Um, it, as I said, it came out in 2001. I'll do my best. I'm reading the IMDb synopsis because I think it's a tough movie to encapsulate in a simple plot. I would agree. Uh, my wife was like, so what is this movie about? I'm like, uh, it's about... Before we watch it. Yeah. You know. um, so here's how IMDb pitches it. They say it's about a troubled teenager who is plagued by visions of a large bunny rabbit that manipulates him to commit a series of crimes after narrow, narrowly escaping a bizarre accident, which I guess is kind of what it's about. It's a coming-of-age story. It's um, amazing the focus on the bunny rabbit. But I guess there is. I mean, all the posters, the promotional stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's probably one of the more iconic visual right. elements of the film. Yeah. So, um, again, tough movie to describe. Um, but I want to get some backstory here before I dive right into it. This is a movie that came out in 2001, premiered at Sundance. Um, and kind of bombed when it hit the box office. It was this Sundance darling that just flat, you know, didn't do anything, make nearly any money. And then it picked up this big cult following on DVD among college students and high school students and subsequently was re-released a few years later um, with a director's cut, which had 20 additional minutes of footage put back in. Richard Kelly provided commentary. And it even gave Richard Kelly such a cult following that he followed it up with a movie called Southland Tales, which is probably the one of the most bloated, incomprehensible movies ever made. And uh, since then, his career... So you've seen that one? I have. Yeah, um, mainly because I think Donnie Darko is pretty interesting, so I was curious to see Southland Tales. Um, and then his career has installed a bit. And uh, he's only directed one other feature film since then. It was the movie The Box starring um, uh, Cameron Diaz. Um, Frank Langella? And Frank Langella. Yeah. Continue. 
Oh, thanks, Mike. I don't know what you were doing. I you're didn't do anything, actually. I'm going to fix it right now. There's a little OCD happening. Uh, basically, this is Mike's schizophrenia, which you, I'm going to narrate Mike's schizophrenia. He is... Uh, oh, no, sorry. Schizophrenia. Obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, kind of. Well, it's you really have to fix the mic or the tangent universe will crash into ours well, and every, everything will be destroyed if you don't have the proper uh, rubber band on the proper part of the mic. Okay. Here we go. There. And you guys could just talk right through done. this. No, so I, I can't. There you go. No, it, there we go. You're welcome. So yes, it's a Everyone. movie that I've wanted to talk about for a while. It also feels very seasonally appropriate. We're actually a little bit late. It's actually a Halloween movie. The climax takes place on Halloween. Yeah, it's got that yeah. October feel. So all those things going for it. So um, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to toss the baton to Mike. And my mm. question to you starting out on this podcast is Donnie Darko is revered by many a college student and philosophy uh, majors and all, the, all that jazz. Um, I guess the larger question I have is, is Donnie Darko as smart as it wants us to think it is? No. <laughs> Not even remotely close. Maybe remotely. This, when you said it was, it was a cult following by college, had a cult following of college students, I'm like, of course it did. They were probably all smoking, smoking pot, token up, watch this movie. Like, but dude, what if you could go back in time? If you saw into the future, I'm excited. That's how it just, the whole thing felt to me like, Juvenile and like I understand why it bombed at a place like Sundance. I feel like that's a little bit. I think bit it did okay more, at Sundance. It, it, it was the it was the box office. They were expecting it to get this kind of box office oh. release that people respond to, and no one went to see the Bunny Rabbit movie starring an unknown named Jake. Right. Oh, I think we right. can get into a more specific reason as to why people probably didn't go see this movie. But I think I I mean I, yeah, just for me, it's it's a, it's it's a movie we always talk about. This it's a movie that sniffs its own farts. It's just like it, it thinks it's <laughs> smart and it loves how smart it is and. Donnie Darko himself is a wise ass kid, and he's just, he's just an asshole. And I, so I don't. Everyone kind of just sucks in this movie. I think the only person I, I, I feel like is maybe not such a bad guy or girl is his girlfriend, and she gets. We'll get there. I guess we'll get there. Yeah, um, let's not jump straight into plot no. like details yet. I was just wanted to get overall so reactions. You didn't enjoy this movie. Wait, I, wait. I enjoyed aspects. I didn't enjoy it so, overall. Um, I'm really curious to hear what you think about this movie, Dave, because I feel like well, someone like you, who is this big cinephile. Uh, Donnie Garko could go two ways. It could go a way that you really admire it for being so bold and different, or it could go the other way where kind of like Mike's Avenue where you think it sniffs its own farts a little bit too much. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess I go with the admire route. I mean, of course. Of course he does. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't see this in theaters. Um, it came, you have seen it before, though, correct? But I ha- yes, I've seen it before. I saw it, I saw it on the re-release in theaters. Uh, there's this great uh, movie theater. There, well, there was a great movie theater in Pittsburgh. I don't know if it's still there uh, in the Oakmont section of Pittsburgh. That was um, started by a film studies guy, and uh, they would they would they would just it was nice. Like they restored this old movie theater, and uh, they would show movies like the re-release of Donnie Darko, the director's cut. So I went to see it, and uh, I liked it. I mean, what can I say? I mean, I thought it was I thought it was clever. Uh, I, you know, it was that was 2003 or 2004 when it was re-released, and. I think probably back then I was a little more uh, interested in movies that uh, you really had. This is the kind of movie that really wants you to think about the uh, the plot and and uh, larger ideas, you know, regardless of the uh, you know outside of the story itself and and and, the, and uh, other things that the movie's trying to do. It, it has some larger ideas about time travel and the universe and 
Um, I, I think in order for us to really add and, and uh, destiny me, and that kind of stuff, and for me to adequately judge the movie, I want to talk about the plot. I want to find out exactly. Let's lay out what the hell happened. See, to that's the kind of that's thing. the other thing. I feel like it was convoluted. It didn't explain itself well enough. Okay. See, Wait, what, uh, see, when I was thirty, that's the kind of stuff. When, so that's back when I saw it. I was more interested in that kind of stuff, but. For whatever reason now, maybe because I'm, I, 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 my attention span is shorter or smaller, um, I'm just that kind of stuff doesn't interest me as much. So, like when, when but you, even what is it trying to say from like an artistic standpoint? Well, even? you know, that's the thing that I think the reason this movie holds up is because outside of that other stuff, this movie is also uh, creates an interesting tone and has it's like a it's has satirical in a way I think that works. Uh, you know, about high school. And I think, you know, for me, I didn't think that Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, character, Donnie, was was an asshole. I thought he was uh, an interesting textured portrait of a, of a high schooler, honestly, of a, of a, of a mentally ill high schooler. <laughs> who yeah, happens I definitely to be... call my mom a bitch when she was trying to help me out. Like, well, well or... no, I, I, I kind of agree with Dave. I, I don't, think he's, have... a, I don't I, think he's an asshole I don't think either. he's the worst character I think character he's a teenager. Seen, but... yeah, he's uh, a teenager, but he's... If we're having full disclosure here, I mean, my, my sister and I said some nasty things to my mom. I don't know about calling her a, a, a bitch where she could hear it, but I mean, I, I know that, uh, I mean, that didn't ring false to me at all. I mean, oh, it didn't and, ring false. It didn't ring true if you were an asshole. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, all right, fair well, enough. I mean, you can have asshole qualities as a high schooler, uh, as many high schoolers tend to do. Uh, and not be an asshole. <laughs> um, well, um, okay. So, I think... Anyway, so I think it holds up. It was interesting, and I wa- rewatching it again, I, I still think pretty much what I thought back then. I, I don't know which version you guys watched. I watched the non-director's... I watched the theatrical Theatrical version. release. Yeah. The uh, original what is release. The, uh, I, I forget the differences, The honestly. director's cut, I think, is about 20 minutes longer. It explains more. And it has more... There's more... There's a subplot about... Was there a lot of Watership Down imagery in the version you watched? Uh, you mean... Explain, the, one, the animated rabbit? The, the animated rabbit no, movie? No, no. That's in the director's cut version. Okay, so then that's, I didn't see that one, unfortunately. Um, so we all watched the same version. Yeah. That might have changed my whole opinion of the movie. <laughs> if they had more rabbit stuff... Mike, I think they referred to classic literature. I'd be like, oh, this is an intelligent movie. I think it explained... Well, you know... It is an intel. I think it's. I think it is an intelligent movie. I mean, it's intelligent. It's not wise. Ooh, well, that's an interesting. That's an interesting choice of words. But okay, let me uh, break this down here. So I think I'm in this. I'm in the Dave camp this mm. week because I first saw this in college and it blew my goddamn mind. <laughs> like, and I wasn't even high. Like, I this movie mm. blew my goddamn mind. I was like, <laughs> this is one of the best movies ever. And I think that I that say that it blew my mind. Then I'd say that I found it more Dude, interesting. I was all the in the plot mechanics. And and the reason and and the reason I think that this held true for a lot or this was a similar re- reaction to a, that a lot of people had is that this movie still on the IMDb top two fifty. It's number two hundred one. It has an uh, eight point one rating, which again is a populist system, but this mm-hmm. has affected a lot of people. Um, but now as I rewatch. I just see the seams a lot more. Like, I haven't seen this movie in, like, a long time. And in sitting down and watching it this time, I just look at it and I'm like, Richard Kelly seems like a kid. Like, this seems like a script written and directed by an immature filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and and if you look at cinematically what it's doing, um, it's, it's showy, but, like, so showy and, like, I'm going to show off how good of a director I am type ways. But that's like, the kind of thing you would do when you were 25 or Exactly. Right? Like, it's, it's, it's not knowing when to use these awesome tools at your disposal. It's just, like, I'm going to use them all. Right. All the time. Like, every minute. Yeah. Because he does so much. How old was he when he did this? I don't know. 25 or 26. He was pretty young. 20s, yeah. 
yeah. and the and the thing about it that's like you just watch is like he uses these crazy steady cam shots like through the school and he just starts stuff at Dutch angles and then rotates the camera so it goes straight. There's a lot of or time remapping. Time, time remapping. And, yeah. and, and the time remapping stuff looks cheesy. It looks like something I would do in After Effects yeah. nowadays because it's like the way it time remaps yeah. and stops. That, got, that's one of the things that makes it feel a little bit dated. I it think. totally does. It yeah. feels like a product of the early 2000s, which it was. Yeah. Um, so that you know part doesn't resonate with me much anymore but the stuff that still does work is i think tonally this movie is very cool i think that it strikes this really interesting eerie balance of suspense and horror and i would say even coming of age like it's got this like sci-fi and and sci-fi yeah i I think when you when you first see frank the bunny rabbit and you hear his voice i think that's a terrific moment and the way he says it i agree hi donnie like the way he i can't the the, the duo tone yeah sound yeah and i think that that's a very effective moment and whether or not the ending and all the mechanics of the plot which we're going to get into hopefully pay off for you i think is irrelevant because i think um in that moment the movie very much works um i think the acting is good i like jake gyllenhaal in this role i like jenna malone as his girlfriend i really like the actress who played his mom and her name is uh, mary Slim- mcdonald mary mcdonald there you go yeah. and Battlestar galactica yeah and dances yeah. with wolves and uh this movie has spawned one of my favorite movie quite uh, quotes of all time which is um i think <laughs> i don't think you have the well god what now i can't remember uh, the sparkle I, motion quote yeah, oh uh, yeah yeah Sometimes i don't I think doubt you're... your commitment to sparkle motion <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite movie quotes of all time and i've since i use that almost Weekly, yeah. in, in, in. You know, my my dog's name was Sparky. So ever so, and a handful of people used to call him Sparkle Motion. And, and we had a trivia. Team. We had a trivia team named yeah. Sparkle Motion. Oh, wow. okay. So I, it's obviously affected me culturally in that sense. Um, so here's my major issue with the film, and make maybe you can elaborate on this in a way that, um, or maybe you agree or disagree. The issue is the movie makes sense if it follows its own logic. The problem is you have to go there you have like it's like it, it, it the movie creates its own mythology and it's so deep and it makes it it makes so many rules that it has to follow right. but those rules mean nothing outside the context of the movie i don't know if that makes any sense like it's not like anything Let's, he's discussing exists anywhere else so he's it's like oh it's so deep that right, he created the, this the mythology time, the, the, the time space theory that he in this movie does not it's not real it's not like it, it was taken from anything no else. it's right. it, so so from a plot thing it's like oh it totally makes sense if you follow this philosophy of time travel which is a plot device in the movie but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but he could have just made up a rule that fits the plot that he's writing as he's going. Like right, he's before like, before we go anywhere, let's let's talk about what the rules are and what happens plot wise with this okay. time travel thing. Because at the end, it started being like things were happening, and usually I'm pretty good at this. Things were happening. I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be significant. I'm supposed to get what's going on, and I'm <clears> not like. Okay, so, okay, so the plane, if, if you well, all right, yeah, go ahead, if go you go it. through a basic um, understanding of this movie, and there's multiple interpretations, but I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to get into what I think the director intended. Okay, wait, no, no, no. Like this is legit. This okay. isn't me doing a Fight Club thing for you guys. <laughs> no. So, okay, the movie it goes thus like this. As soon as it hits uh, midnight on that opening ten minutes of the movie, we enter an alternate version of reality. An alternate world, so to speak. An alternate Middlesex, Virginia, where the movie mm-hmm. takes place. So what is happening is there has been a ripple in the time continuum, mm-hmm. and the world is unstable, and it's up for the living receiver, a.k.a. Donnie Darko, to take the artifact, a.k.a. the engine that crashes into his house, and bring it back into the primary timeline so the Earth universe does not collapse on itself. That's essentially what the movie is okay. about. Okay, wow, okay. Um, and... <laughs> 
So the whole the whole which is ridiculous. Which is ridiculous when it's, when you say <laughs> that. Wait, that's fine. I don't. But I don't the want, whole yeah. the whole movie is taking place in this alternate timeline where Donnie Darko has special abilities, um, where he can he has super strength apparently. He has telekinesis. Right. He has explain that. One. Oh, I'm sorry, super strength. Yes, axe through the head of the the axe through the head of the statue. Um, there's a comment that a human being can't do that. Right, right, yeah. It's um, solid bronze. And then an telekinesis at the end because he takes the jet engine, removes it from the alternate universe, and brings it back to the primary universe using his powers. And then brings it back to it, and then ultimately creating a cycle where he goes back in time and causes his own death in order to preserve the construct of time and reality. Okay, that's that's uh, the that movie. That part I got. <laughs> the, no, but that that's the movie, right? I thought he created the alternate reality. I thought it was the opposite. I thought that everything that was happening was actually real, and he did something. His powers would be able to disrupt the space time continuum, so that he would die, and everything that he caused, all the misfortune that he had caused, would be fixed. I guess my my interpret like vague interpretation based on what I've read on a Donnie Darko fan site before cribbing for this podcast. <laughs> right. The universe. According to this, the fake philosophy of time travel, the universe ruptured, but due to no, no, no one caused it to okay, rupture. It just happens. Like it a just nat- happened like a, like okay. a natural disaster. And Donnie Darko, being this living receiver, his goal—I mean, his his task—is to make sure it comes back together again. Okay. And in order to do that, the artifact, which came from a different timeline, <laughs> needs to go back into the primary one. Um, in order so that the uh, the universe does not collapse on itself. Well, essentially, it's the Jesus story, where you know he's uh, he's sacrificing himself for the good of mankind. And, and Dave just simplified it into the Jesus allegory. Sure, that is the worst Jesus I've ever seen. But I mean, I, I guess I guess my question is, did you get any of that? No. And, do, and does it matter though? When I think it does matter. I mean, yeah, something like this, I think it does matter because I think it's trying to. If you don't understand what's going on, it's hard for you to relate and be invested in what the character's actions are if you don't understand the consequences of them and i think that's very important in a movie like this where they're trying to make a point that he is doing something significant and potent to help himself and others around him i think so by the end of the movie when he is so like okay the questions i have is like the bunny rabbit why was it the guy that he that he killed like why was okay. he like so the bunny rabbit is God, there's a term for what he is. It's the um, he's a guy who's dressed as a rat, as a demonic rabbit for Halloween. <laughs> Be more, spe- more yeah. specific. No, yeah, for he's sure. Named but Frank. He, and he is named Frank. And I believe it's it's the sister's boyfriend, isn't it? Or uh, am I crazy? I, I think so. Maggie Gyllenhaal plays Jake Gyllenhaal's oh. sister. I think it's the boyfriend. Well, how says, do we know that? Because she says uh, she mentions Frank at the party, and Frank is it, it's definitely a guy she's related to somehow. Okay, fair um, enough. Uh, but. Sorry, the, the name is... Uh, or is having relations with. Frank is what is called, <laughs> according to the Donnie Darko fan site, the manipulated dead, okay? Uh, so... Whatever. Okay, so anyone, it's starting to... Yeah. Okay, I, I know. We're okay, going, go, we're go, going, go, down, go, we're going down a rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. No, but I'm, and we're done. No, 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 but I mean, you can make fun of this movie for being pretentious all you want, but it's very intentional that Frank's a rabbit. Like, it's right, going right, down... Right. It's the Alice in Wonderland thing. It's this whole mm-hmm. idea of someone taking you on a journey, him, him being the harbinger. Or, sure, sure, yeah. So, I mean, that all... and there's, that's, I don't mind that as much. I mean, that's, that's, that's creative. It's clever. It's and fun. Okay, fair. In the end of the movie, they insinuate that people have in their subconscious some memory of this alternate universe existing because Frank grabs his eye mm-hmm. in the uh, end montage. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have 
uh, but Cunningham, we have the Swayze's character waking up and crying mm-hmm. because he's so overcome with the guilt of his horrible deeds. Mm-hmm. But in, in, in this version, he, his house hasn't burned down or whatever, but right. he's overcome with that. And then the final moment of the movie is his Gretchen waving at his mother like she knows her, even mm-hmm. though in this timeline they don't know each other because they've traveled back to before. It's like an right. explanation for deja vu. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, 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 it's almost an explanation for deja vu. Okay. So, so um, now let's, again, sorry, let's just keep going on this whole concrete <laughs> thing here. So how does he, <laughs> so at the end when when we see all this, this stuff happens, the, you know, his girlfriend dies, she gets run over, he kills the bunny rabbit dude. <laughs> then what? So there, then there's the whole plane thing, right? So There's uh, all the, the, the imagery of the, the clouds coming out of the sky and a rift starting and all that stuff. Well, so what, the, so we're, get, we're at the end of the movie now. I think at this point in the movie, he realized, for well, whatever the, reason, he real, he somehow comes to the realization that uh, things are, that, that his place in the universe is to sacrifice himself, to put himself back in his own room so that this plane engine can fall on him and kill him. You know, and therefore, essentially, the it's Final Destination, right? Like he has to, he has to, like, like you know, the the plot of Final Destination is that they're supposed to die, right. and you missed out on it, so oh, death is right, coming right, for right, you. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, at least in that sense, all the cloud stuff at the end. My interpretation of that is that's like the, the world collapsing. That's the, the world the collapsing. Yeah, that's yeah. the the world collapsing on itself, and him needing to somehow. See, this is why the movie kind of. This is why the movie sucks, right? I mean, I like Donnie Darko, <laughs> but this is why it sucks. We have to some. This is where I think Richard Kelly's just making shit up as he goes along. Yes. Because like, at the end of this movie, we're supposed to somehow he's just looking at this plane, and that means he's ripping off the engine, so it goes back. Like I don't understand how Donnie is able to coordinate all the stuff to right. happen. Yep. And 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 we're supposed to believe that he is doing this, like he's making an active choice to do it. But we're never really given. Um, like an explanation of his powers or how he's able to do any of this. And what was the, in the beginning when he wakes up on his bike? He wakes up next to his bike on some random road. Well, I think it's established like, at the beginning. Is that when the, when the timeline splits? I think that the beginning of the movie is establishing that he's starting to have visions of Frank prior no, to the... No, he's actually... Right, he's already... I think he's been already having them before right. the movie has begun, so we haven't even seen the... But the, the okay. So it's like it's like almost like the, the ripple is like building to the collapse of the universe, and then it happens when the engine falls, and then we're now in alternate reality. Uh, yeah. It's, okay. So this is this is my my gripe then with this movie and I with every movie that does this. If you're going to create a mythology, you need to go through and make the rules very clear, very black and white, because people need to know what can and can't happen. Because otherwise, you're just like, okay, well, he does that, and well, whatever. There's no stakes. There's no stakes it's, if you don't know how what the rules are. Like, well, I see. I almost disagree with that because I feel like, like a I feel like with mythology, if you start to explain it too much, then that's when it starts to become weak. So. No, no, no. You don't. No, I'm not talking about midi chlorian level of explanation, but right. enough so that you understand. Like, we know what the force is and what its limitations are, and what like it's like playing a sport and needing to know. Like specifically that, what the rules are. You don't need to know the mechanics well, you, and why the rules are there, but what the rules are. I think what you're trying to say, Mike, is it's like this idea of you're playing a game with a kid and you're like, I freeze you. Well, you can't freeze me because I have super it's unfreeze that, powers. Yeah. It's it's an, <laughs> it's it's, it's a, a movie that writes out of its own problems by establishing new rules that like that that build upon the old ones. Right, right. And, or um, manipulating an earlier rule where you set something up and then you take that rule and you can bend it. And you're like, oh, and we've discussed this. Is the, uh, the Mistborn trilogy, which is a book, mm-hmm. but they do the same thing. It's anytime. Uh, when it's done well, it's so it's so good, and it, it can create really interesting situations when it's done creatively. But you have to put that groundwork down of like like laying out what everything is and what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. So, um, in the movie, Donnie Darko does a, a series of you know cataclysmic actions. Right, he floods the school, he uh, burns down Cunningham's. Is it Cun- no, what is his name? Cunningham. Uh, yeah. yeah, Cunningham's house. Yeah. Um, Patrick Swayze. And. <laughs> 
Yeah. Hey, Patrick Swayze. Basically, (laughs) I think that this happens. It's like the whole thing, the whole movie is about cause and effect, right? Like he needs to flood the school. So school is canceled. So he's forced to meet Gretchen for the first time. Like if he doesn't flood the school, he doesn't meet Gretchen in that way. He doesn't fall in love with her. And then her death does not inspire him to kill Frank. Like everything needs to happen. So like... He can then have a like he needs to have her die so he feels so guilty that he kills Frank that so that Frank is able to be the dead person that will summon him in the previous like in, sure. in does that make sense yeah, yeah I, get it. I guess I, get it, yeah. I mean what about Swayze's house burning <laughs> which is that just I him you know that, smiting evil like is it just I, you see, know this is what Richard Kelly wants right this is what he wants us to be doing. does he want this or does he actually I think he thinks I think it this makes is sense. I think this is what 26 year old Richard Kelly wants I think <laughs> what do you I think, think current 40, current age Richard Kelly current, he's probably like ah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah I should have thought that out well uh, I mean I, I you know I think the reason I think this movie works is I mean I'm wondering at some point in this conversation can we move beyond the plot mechanics we will okay yeah, I, I, I would, I would this like movie. to sure and, I mean, in fact we're gonna do it right now <laughs> go because I think I mean to me, this movie isn't about causality or, or cause and effect. This movie is about a kid uh, under having some kind of self-realization. I mean, he goes to therapy. I mean, this movie is a therapy session. So you think this... Okay, so this is interesting because you're basically going under the premise that you could ignore all the time travel bullshit of this movie. And this movie is essentially about a kid, who, a troubled kid. Right. I mean, who's would, struggling to overcome that. Because at some point you're going to... I mean... I mean that stuff isn't going to support itself without like a, you know like a I think the reason this movie has become a cult uh, hit isn't I mean there's a lot there's a lot of movies that have this kind of crap you know this kind of mythology and time travel crap that don't necessarily uh, become uh, as as beloved as Donnie Darko or a movie like say um, you know another cult movie <laughs> I'm like drawing a blank here you're talking well, about another like cult science yeah, like, fiction what, movie like what, Primer or Primer or let's say Primer yeah Primer or Primer um, other, maybe a movie like swing, swing, Swingers I mean oh it's, yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's, that's not a, it's not a science similar. fiction it's not a very but, similar but, but the, my point is is that there's there's a, there's a, there's something that people can relate to in these cult movies right uh, that that people really uh, embrace, and I, I don't think it's all just the science fiction. I think it's also the portrait. I think it's mostly character. I think it's I, people I think are drawn to characters. I think. Yes, and, and um, I think I think that it's the, the the portrait of high schoolers and the way high schoolers act that makes this movie interesting. I mean, to me, I mean the, the, the scenes with the the bully and the you know Seth uh, Rogen. You mean Seth, <laughs> Seth Rogen and, and the other kid? I don't. Know. I like your <laughs> boobs. Whatever he says. <laughs> I just love how Seth Rogen may be the least threatening human on the planet, and they cast him as the bully. Which yeah. Is yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't say much. He, in the movie, he, could, so. he comes off as like a jerk, but not yeah. necessarily threatening. I guess he's right. a big guy. Like yeah. he's got like a. Bulky he's, and he's got frame. that dry asshole personality. I'm like, yeah, I can see how you'd be. Yeah, I, I, I bought him in the role. Um. You know, the the, the uh, when you're in high school, you you kind of have this. Uh, everything's your your mind's kind of going nuts in high school, I think, and and, and, and everything uh, seems deep right. to you. In everything high seems yeah. deep. Everything yeah. seems tragic. I mean, and I think that uh, the way Donnie acts, and you know, the fact that he thinks the world is going to end. I mean, I, I think what what the movie's really saying is that if if you were to die, then the world is essentially ending. I mean, you know, so the world is coming to an end. His world is coming to an end. Um, you know, he's having a mental collapse and, you know, he ends up actually getting killed. I mean, there's, uh, you know, I think, I think the movie's more about his mental state than, than uh, anything else. I mean, the, the other stuff doesn't really matter to me. 
I think uh, it is trying to say something bigger about just the idea of dying alone. And, and honestly, see, and this is something that's interesting to me as a movie. Is I, don't, I don't know what it's trying to say in terms of... So one of the big, like, literal messages in the film is fear versus love, right? I mean, that's the big thing that Cunningham is preaching. That's what his gym teacher is preaching, right? Right. Um, and it seems to me, based on showing that the, the teacher is this crazy person and Cunningham is a pedophile, <laughs> that the movie seems to be debunking debunking this this theory of fear versus love like that's not that simple it's not you know but in some way i feel like it does kind of show and it does kind of come down to that in a way like and i granted there's shades of gray in there right and there's other things that make it more complicated but you look at that's what he's struggling with i think he kind of struggles with this idea of being afraid being afraid of the future afraid of dying alone afraid of dying mm -hmm. and i think by the end of the movie he out of love for his girlfriend out of love for his family and friends i think he decides to basically accept his own death which is what he was afraid of i think for the majority of the movie well that's the way he comes to some kind of peace right I well, mean, right he, he, they right, show right. him kind of laughing in bed happy finally well i think that yeah. i think that's all so why does this movie actually work like let's ignore how convoluted and bullshit yeah, the plot true. is that i think that moment does work i mean that character choice is real mm -hmm. and i think works in the favor of the movie like i think that it actually is an important moment and whether or not you buy into tangent universes and whatever that's emotionally resonant. So yeah. I, I think that that is why the movie stands out. And also, I mean, we're talking about cult classic for teens and college students. Every teenager relates to Donnie Darko, right? Like emo kids. Like he's mm -hmm. the emo kid, he's right? He's like, yeah. But he's the emo kid they've all wanted to be because he's super smart, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's like, his test scores are off the chart. He's smarter mm -hmm. than everybody else. He's able to stand up and talk to adults eloquently and uh, aggressively, you know. He's the, he's the weird kid in the back of the class that like, I don't know, that is always a little mysterious and, um, yeah. I think that's why he, like, irritates me so much because it's just, for me, it's such a cliche character. Oh, the really smart guy who's the outcast. He's the typical anti-hero, which for me, I've, I've railed against him in the past. It's like, oh, he's the, oh, he's the bad boy who does, well, you if know, I was stuff. Well, if, if I was to bring up a character, um, uh, not, I'm trying to think of the right word, a character comparison, I think of the kid from American Beauty, the, the uh, bag oh, like kid. Westball, right. The one who, with the... Who sells weed. <laughs> the one who sells weed and yeah. has the billowing uh, plastic bag. Yeah, right. That's... Keep it to the... I haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh. I'd like to for this that's, podcast. That, we should definitely watch that for this yeah. podcast. Maybe, I think, maybe next time. I think it was another 2001 movie, so I think that'd be an, uh, interesting. Mm. No, um, 1999. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Whatever. <laughs> Around the same time. We were talking... <laughs> I don't know why I remember that so well, but I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe because that was the year The Sixth Sense came out and they were both fighting for Best Picture. Is that possible? It's also possible. Um, yeah, so... Okay, so other things I wanted to address about what this movie is touching about, because this is a crammed ass movie. Like there's so yep. much in this movie and maybe that's, this is what Richard Kelly, he fails by his own hubris, right? Mm -hmm. Like Southland. Trust you too much. Southland Tales is like the perfect example of that. I've never seen it, but I heard that. You story. like, you need to watch Southland Tales just for like, what the hell is this? Like <laughs> it's I saw the box <laughs> because the, the, um, the idea behind the box. So the, the box was his third movie. The box is about a, a couple that receives a, a, a basically a box with a button on it, and they're it's told like if, if they if they press, if the, press button, the button, someone yeah. in the world will die, and they'll get a million dollars. So it's it's a Twilight Zone kind of thing. It and, was a Twilight Zone episode. Actually. Oh, was it Twilight? Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. I remember that. Yeah, and, and I'm assuming Southland Tales probably had some Twilight Zone kind of. stuff. It was a. It's it's everything. It's a satire. It's a comedy. It's a. I don't know what the hell that movie is. It's crazy. Okay. Um. So, yeah. 
So this movie also deals a lot, and Mike, this is your territory. It deals a lot mm. with spirituality. Like, and, and and Dave mentioned this whole Jesus metaphor, yeah. but it's talking a lot about God in this movie. There's this whole interaction with him and the teacher, the physics teacher, whatever. Right. He's like, I don't think we can have this conversation anymore. <laughs> I could lose my job. Because I could lose my job because he's talking, he's bringing about spirituality and religion. Um, is that the reason? I, what, That's what, what I intended. How else would you have interpreted that? I think it was just because his, I think he was starting to go crazy and I think he just felt uncomfortable talking that deeply with a student as well. I mean, what you're saying. Oh, I yeah. thought he was talking about this idea of predestination and faith. Fate, which is very much a religious idea. Well, let's, let's back up a little bit. So there's a scene where he's talking to Noah Wiley, who's one of his teachers, about this book that Noah Wiley has about time travel. No, it's right? a book. It's a book that Donnie found in Roberto Sparrow's okay. place or whatever. Okay. No, 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 no. I think I remember he, Noah Wiley pulling it out of his. Oh, he gives I'm sorry. It to him. I'm sorry. It, to him. Yeah. it was written by Roberto Sparrow, who is Lady Death in the movie. Right, right. Yes. Who is this old woman who crosses the road and checks the mailbox? Um, <laughs> essentially, I mean, yeah, so that's, that's you pretty much something. Yeah. Everything she does because, because outside of the mythology, that's all she really does in yeah. the story. But if you, but in the movie, if you're to read into what the movie's saying, she was like Donnie Darko. She, she. She was once what he is, which is the living receiver. She wrote this book because she went to an alternate reality and brought the universe back together. That's okay. what you're supposed. And that's why she's okay. nuts now. But she didn't die. But she didn't die. Right. Okay. So he's talking. She. He's talking to his teacher, and the teacher feels this kind of uncomfortable moment where he says, uh, "I have to stop having this conversation now." And you're and you're saying it's because they I think were starting it's a, to, get, to get into a spiritual discussion about God. Like you can't talk to your teachers about God, right? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, That's. I, 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 I mean, never heard, yeah, never I can see that being a problem. Like, yeah, if, if it's public school, I bet you probably. We are wearing uniforms though, so I don't know. But anyway. I mean, my, my, I guess I guess if I were to think about it, I would I would think that maybe he was you know he could be accused of. Uh, of making this kid take this book too seriously and right, doing or, something dangerous, right? Somehow, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he would. I don't know what what, what was dangerous in the book, but um, well, when you start asking questions about am I on the same plane as God traveling through time? Am I in His channel? You're like, oh, okay. Are you going to murder anyone? Because uh, <laughs> even still, I think as a director, or as a writer, I think you would have him react differently. I think you would kind of get him to clam up, and he might be like, hey, you know, I, I got to go. Versus him telling him I could lose my job. It's not like a legal thing. You know, I think he's more uneasy about the conversation they're having than they are about it, what he's, you know? No, yeah, for sure. And yeah. and, and I think this is where we're going to get down to ra- rabbit holes again with this movie is <laughs> um, my understanding is, so the jet engine lands in this alternate universe, right? Um, or lands and misses Donnie and mm-hmm. everyone's like, no one can figure out where the jet engine came from, right? Well, yeah, the reason they can't figure out where it came from is because Donnie needs to bring it. Donnie has to be the one, like, to travel it back and send it back in time so it exists. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't exist in that time. It's from the future. The jet engine, right, is from the future because he's right. taking it and sending it back, But right? did it come... I, I think it came off his mother's plane. Exactly, but that so plane doesn't... So he ripped it off her plane, plane and sent it back into the future. And that doesn't happen until 30 days later. Right, so, okay, gotcha. 28 days. Gotcha. So it's, 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 it's the time paradox thing. 28 days. <laughs> so it Four are. hours. <laughs> but that... I mean, that's what this movie... It, this is where all time travel movies fail because all time There's travel movies yeah. have a causality loop where... It's it's like if I killed you know I kill my parents while they're you know, before I'm born will I die right and yeah there's be, no yeah so see one of the first times we hung out we went and saw a movie called Looper and that's a movie that has a lot of the same stuff and this was a few years ago but it has the same problem like there's it has the same to, problem but it doesn't dive 
into those 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 right. issues it as much. Up. So and the story, I think itself. I mean, the story itself. I think it's, I think Looper overall is a much much better movie in my right. opinion. And that's a movie that you know, had I seen it when I was like you know eighteen or nineteen, probably would have blew my mind too. It has one of the most disturbing it. scenes in it, by the way. The scene. With his I agree. arm, yeah. oh, Looper. oh, oh yeah, that like still haunts me to this day. So, but anyway, I think there are other time travel movies that that hold up a little bit. Better I think than, I think all of them at, the, at its very very basic level will will fall into that problem with the, mm-hmm. the causality loop. But as long as you could suspend that and just like, okay, fair enough, mm-hmm. just go forward. I think it makes much certain movies do it much better than others, and I agree with you. I think I think Looper does it better than Donnie Darko does. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge time travel junkie. We talked about 12 Monkeys on this show, um, mm. which I think is a movie that probably handles time travel a little better as well. Yeah, I would agree. Um, uh, or at least a little bit more comprehensible. Like, I think 12 Monkeys is a movie that sets rules and is very much defined by them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't keep on making up, like, there is a sub-universe that has yeah, this, like, yeah. it's like, no, this is what happens. You send a guy back in time, there's one universe, blah, mm. blah, blah. So, um, I mean, I guess, I guess that that's... There was a screenwriting rule. I don't know if you ever heard this. There's a famous book called Save the Cat by uh, Blake Snyder. He's a screenwriter who wrote this book about like rules of good screenplays. And one of the rules is the double mumbo jumbo problem, which he calls it. And he says you can have any. This is what you kind of going about earlier, going on about earlier, Mike. But you can have any amount of magic in your movie, but you can't have like you can only have one. Like you can't. You can't keep on adding more bullshit as you go right. on. Uh, you have to like be you like... Set up your bullshit once and you stick to it. Exactly. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, larger... Uh, and he... Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of a movie that does this where like... I'll, does it uh, well or does it not well? Does it not well? No. Where it's this idea of... keeps on, like Maybe Dying Dark was a good example of it. Like... I mean, you could never you could, you could, you could, in the first place. I really, you I could go to a show, see like Lost or something. It's a sh- you know a show that maybe does that. I mean, where it's, mm. they, they're just kind of like making it up as they go. Lost, Lost is a victim of television. Lost is a yeah. victim of of writers having ideas but not knowing how or when they can pay them off because a network wants them to have twenty four episodes right. a season. Yeah, I agree. We can have a whole podcast That's about that. That's true. <laughs> um, because thing, and uh, not to get into too much of a tangent, but the thing about Lost is I would never recommend anybody go back and watch the entire series of lost that mm-hmm. being said i thoroughly enjoyed my time watching lost yeah that's a good way to that's an excellent way to put it you know? yeah i i think yeah, i agree with you. i think there's holes if you look for them there's other more important i think that's kind of what you're talking about with donnie darko there's things that if you look too closely it bothers you but you like the overall themes and the characters and what it's trying to say the tone of it and i think the same thing that's how i feel about Lost. so coming at it from that angle I respect your opinion a lot better. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> it just never it never grabbed me like on those didn't other work. Levels. Characters didn't grab you. So. Well, the characters right because it's just yeah. not my kind of character. But I think also I think there's certain things about it that I think are good. Like it's intriguing. I was interested up to the very end mm-hmm. as of what was going to happen and what's going on and we're going to figure it out. And I got to the end and I said, oh, okay, we're never just going to figure it out. Yeah, you're, you're waiting. You were waiting for some kind of payoff that didn't really come for you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, the movie's so overstuffed. So we have the whole Frank Cunningham fear and. Um, Fear spectrum, which fear and love. which yeah. is like a whole other subplot in the movie. You have mm-hmm. the Asian girl in the movie who is a, I would consider her to be a major side character. It was, and she, yeah. And I don't quite talking understand. About, you're talking what, about the autistic girl. Who, I don't think she's autistic. Where, I think she's, she's quiet. She's quiet. Um, mm-hmm. I think Drew Barrymore and his relationship with her is a whole other. Like, what is what is the meaning behind that? Like what the the destroyers right the, the is it the destructors the book the short story destructors, destructors right yeah. Graham Greene what the hell is that what is the symbolism of that in this movie like I don't even think I understand that like I don't know <laughs> yeah and why why I mean, why is Drew Barrymore's character even in the movie what is her role in yep, the film exactly yep I don't know <laughs> yep yep I mean her role in the movie is to be uh, I mean 
there's some. He already has a teacher mentor. That's Noah Wiley's yeah, character. Yeah, you're so right. So he could have done everything that she did. Yeah, or yeah, or vice versa. He I could. guess. I mean, she. Uh, but I, I'm guessing there's probably some connection between Graham Greene and the Destructors. Well, because and, and she, some kind of themes that he's trying to explore. I think he's trying to just go onto the other and thing about that, how to reach kids and how to like you know there's there's a we have to do these risque novels because it's saying important thing. But it's like, dude, another movie, man. Make a whole movie about that. Like, well, this <laughs> is this is where Donnie Darko was the victim of being a 26-year-old director's thing. He right. is a guy who's fascinated by all these different things and he tries to shove That's them the into one movie. I think there's, movie. there's like five different messages instead of one overarching theme and idea and and, and message. You know what I mean? I think he, he has 15,000 of these things in there and he's trying to cram everything. He's trying to do everything at once like you had said, yeah. Um, and the other major uh, thing I want to talk about is why... I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Why make Cunningham a pedophile? Like, what is the... I, that's, I don't know. What I mean, I like the, the self-help guru who is full of BS. Mm-hmm. I kind of get that. Mm-hmm. And that 80s video is one of my... Like, there's so many it's great... It's actually pretty good. Yeah. There, okay, here's why Donnie Darko still works for me. There's so many just, like, little moments that are great. Like, and you can see Richard Kelly is like, this is a guy I really am excited to see what he eventually will end up making because when they show that 80s VHS tape type thing of or 90s VHS tape and he's like fear love and they show the kid he's like I'm not afraid anymore yeah yeah <laughs> like I just like yeah I he nailed watch, that yeah <laughs> I could watch that stuff all day and you know it's I don't know I mean I, th- I think he's just uh, I think he, Richard Kelly is basically just swinging for the fences here he's, he's, he's throwing in all these ideas he had into kind of one movie thinking maybe I'm never going to make a movie again <laughs> so I have this idea about I have uh, my idea book all about these a motivational speaker, speaker who's who's full of shit I have uh, all these memories of high school not and just inter- full of shit but friends. like deeply evil yeah right, right. Like, so, like it's not even that he's like can't even follow his own advice he's actively a pedo- like a, a child yeah. pornographer right yeah. which is he makes him the worst human being you could possibly <laughs> and it's like why what is he doing that's wrong does like, he kill himself no he gets arrested as far as I know no no in the pro- like does he um, is that maybe in the director's cut version I, I think in the director's cut version remember. when they, they cut to the montage of him the, crying I think he kills himself okay. and I think that the reason that they make him a pedophile is that Donnie in this alternate universe by exposing him and like giving him the sense of guilt in his subconscious like forces him to kill himself mm-hmm. in the reality of the world. So like Donnie does that for for the good like basically all his actions in order for the end of the movie are for the good of humanity, right? It's so a pedophile rids himself of uh, of this world so that he saves he kills himself so Gretchen can be alive so I don't know. There's just there's a lot going on here, guys. Yeah, it's like the, it's, it's funny. The more we talk about this movie, the more I think uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like the experience of watching this movie. It's entertaining, you know. It and, totally and, is. And maybe these right. maybe these elements are in there just because they're satirical and they're funny. I mean, you know, like him uh, standing up and, and uh, calling Patrick Swayze out on his bullshit uh, and the teacher out. I mean, it's funny. The scene to me, this for me, the scene works. Whether it fits into the movie or not, I don't know. You know, maybe it doesn't really fit. Maybe it doesn't really yeah. make sense. But uh, a lot of, the, you know, that's another, another thing we can talk about is that like, this movie, I think, is actually pretty, I mean, for me, at least, it was pretty funny. I mean, I, you know, no, the scene like, of him in the, in the uh, his therapist's office, trying, uh, trying you know, to... being hypnotized and, and then, you know, he's like, I like think about fucking, and, you know, which is, you know. There it is. <laughs> Sorry. There's the explicit tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a, <laughs> this is a podcast. We can say what we want. Um, you know, that scene was funny. 
I mean, he's about it's to fine. masturbate in front of his therapist. I mean, that's it's kind of fine. funny. Uh, I, and the sparkle motion stuff's funny. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the, that, that, yeah, that's like, funny too. I don't, I, okay, the, Mike. The, the scene at the uh, dinner table at the beginning, the, the brother-sister interaction. Which you like really to suck a fuck? Yeah, I mean, that stuff funny i mean come on yeah i mean it feel if if that stuff felt true to me uh you know and worked so i think yeah there's a lot of funny stuff in this movie well i mean this movie has got so many stars in it right in the musical montage at the beginning the tears for fears montage that's kind of i think it's kind of a famous montage it is a famous montage Um, and the end of the movie the um um uh the song the the cover of the other tears for fears song uh mad Mad world World, yeah is one of the more famous movie montages ever. And right. that that sequence mm-hmm. has spawned so many imitators because that song has, that been, song, used, yeah. has been used. It's it's like Lux Eterna from Requiem yeah, for yes, a Dream. Yes, that song everything. is used in so many trailers and advertisements. It's mm-hmm. become a cultural like touchstone mm-hmm. of how to use music in a film. So uh, I don't know. I get, Mike, here's my question for you. Melancholy Dave, versions of happier songs. Yes, melancholy like, versions of happy songs yeah. is basically a trend I think mm-hmm. this movie started. Mm-hmm. I, I, you watch so many trailers nowadays. Almost every trailer mm-hmm. nowadays has a melancholy version of a happy song. Mm-hmm. Like the Fifty Shades of Grey uh, trailer had the Beyonce crazy in love but done really slow and like jazz <laughs> the social version. network trailer. The social network had the, um, the nine Creep. Sh- sorry, Creep, Creep by um, Creep, yeah. Beckham. Radio, that was an upbeat Radiohead, come on. <laughs> but but just the way they, with a choir version of it, yeah. they, they, mm. there's just so many movies that have have done this. Um, Mike, I guess my yeah. question is: Let's say Richard Kelly probably didn't entirely succeed with this movie. It's over bloated. It's overstuffed. Whatever. Would you rather have a director though just go for it like he does, or would you rather have him have the sense to be like, you know, I'm not going to go as ambitious. I'll make something a little safer. Like, what would you rather have a director do in a movie? Um, yeah. I I am always I'm a big believer in lowering the stakes and having things more focused and more subtle I think with just character growth and character you know what what they have to do like I think you can make a really really interesting story about something that's completely uninteresting and dull if you do it the right way so I I think the opposite drives me nuts when there's a movie where there's 15,000 plot lines going on or it's so like we have to do this to save the world or we're mm. fighting armies of bad guys like <laughs> I think there's there's things like I, I always like when people err on the side of subtlety and then can do things the right way so I'm gonna and especially with this movie I feel like this is a movie that I, it could have been if they took any of the one of the 15 plot lines I think it could have been really good like I, there were elements I think I really like I I there's things about that's really intriguing and really good tonally. It just doesn't, you know what did I mean? You, have you seen this movie prior to watching this? No. Okay, so when did the movie lose you? Because I'm guessing you were interested to begin with, right? I was interested. I mean, it lost me in a sense of like me rooting for Donnie just because he's so creepy and he's walking around with those like really leering kind of weird stares. Yeah. Stares. Yeah, yeah, like the weird, like the, the you know. <laughs> he does the uh, the Kubrick stare Yeah, a lot. Um. I don't know. I, I, I always, I don't know. I, anytime I know where I have to be forced to root for the anti-hero, I'm just like, uh, I roll. Ah, see, okay. so it's the anti-hero thing, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but really that aside, No, no, no. I think like it got, I think when it officially lost me was I think toward the end when I was getting the quote-unquote explanations and it made no sense and I was like, ah, damn it. Like that was where it officially like, ah, crap. Okay, I thought we were going to I thought it was going to wrap everything up and I'd be like, okay, all right. Well played, sir. This is very good. And instead it was just like, oh. Uh, just, You're gonna clean this up. Crawls, Should I clean this up for die. you? He crawls Dave, in bed and dies. Dave, did, did your wife watch? Did, 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 did your Did your wife watch this with you? 
She did. When did, I, when did she lose interest in the movie? She didn't lose... I don't think she did lose interest. Did she, she like the movie? I think, and I think the reason... Again, I think the reason the movie works is because the story of the, the teenage angst and, and, and what it's like to be a teenager, uh, that stuff still holds up fairly well. I mean, the I mean, science fiction... Teenagers, the science fiction stuff, she was like, so why does he have to do this? I'm like, I don't know. Don't, don't ask too many questions. <laughs> it's very, it, you know, it's... It, because I, think, I don't care. You know? I think this represents a t- like a very... Um, in listening to you talk for... I guess 48 hours now about movies on this podcast, Dave. <laughs> My I've, God. I've come to, you know, what have we done with our life? <laughs> I've come to a conclusion about we view movies very differently is you don't really get wrapped up in like, like plot mechanics really don't like grab you. don't you. give a no. shit. No, no it, I give a shit. No, he gives, he gives, <laughs> but it's just about different things. Dave is really invested in character and tone and moments like that. But like, I've come it, at this point and I'm like, yeah, but does that make sense? You're like, yeah, I didn't really think about it that hard. I just kind of went think, with it. I think Dave, and, you seem very focused on the craft and like the style. I, I think no, no. It's, no? Well, yeah, yes, it's that too. But I mean, for me, it's like it has to hit me emotionally in some way. Right. You know, but it, so, so not, and if it does, if it does, if I can connect with. But you're not the guy. You're not. You're not the guy who's gonna after he watches Primer is gonna start like drawing diagrams of like trying to deconstruct oh, the movie geez. and yeah, make yeah. it sense. And that's the kind of guy I am. Like Me I want to. Yeah. I want to know. Like I, I. I am so into like figuring things out. And this is why Donnie Darko is both fascinating and infuriating because the further you go down all those paths, it's like yeah, but this is just such bullshit. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't really add up. It, I, mean, I guess I feel like you know. I feel <laughs> yeah. like Donnie Darko in the in the um, self help thing when he yells at Cunningham for being full of shit. I feel like that's how I felt at the end of the movie. I was like, yeah, you're full of crap, Richard Kelly. You're probably a pedophile. <laughs> but but the movie. But no, the, Richard, I, Richard Kelly. You're Richard Kelly was a joke. I am so sorry. Well, I, he just stopped listening, Mike. So <laughs> you should feel bad about another it. another listener gone due to Mike's rambling. No, it, I think. But I think that that speech reinforces the themes of the movie, right? Because. Donnie, Donnie's point in that is that life is complex and it's not simple and it's not a thing that's on a linear scale. And by the end of the movie, Richard Kelly is proving that life is really goddamn complex and that everything is confusing and there are no, everything's shades of gray and our choices that we make and everything. But see, like, I, even when Donnie freaks out and he's like, I can't put it on a spectrum, it's more complex, then you put it in the middle. You say, well, maybe he was afraid of getting in trouble but he also wanted to do the right thing or you could put make the point be like boom right in the middle bitch so basically what we've, both. What, we've like, what we've learned is that dave is a subscriber to jim cunningham's uh fear and love uh fear and lo- love wait, wait how did we learn that no i'm just uh, my, you mean mike <laughs> my, sorry mike mike yeah yeah yeah, yeah no actually i do kind of i do kind of mm. think it's got something going for it i uh Okay, so we, we've been... About ta- the extracurricular activities. <laughs> I think just the concept works at a very so, basic level. final thoughts on this movie, and we're, we're, I guess we're kind of there. Acting, good. Oh, Acting yeah. Acting was good in this movie. Oh, yeah. I, I quite like all the performances yeah. in this movie. I, Drew Barrymore, she, she just annoys me as an actress. But yeah, other than that, um, I'm, I'm down. Um, yeah, so... Jake Gyllenhaal is a, is a, uh, is a star. Do you, I mean, have you guys, since, since then, I mean, he's... I he, think, was, he wasn't really I that famous he, at this point. He I mean, wasn't he was, famous at all. This he was, was just his movie. Right. I mean, I remember seeing him in a movie called October Sky, uh, which was about... Uh, I thought you were going to say Bubble Boy. <laughs> no, no, no. October Sky. <laughs> Bubble, oh, right. You're right. He was in Bubble Boy. Um, no, October Sky was about these kids in the 50s. Building Chris Cooper plays ships. his dad. They're building rocket ships. and Yeah. So that's what I remember him from. And then he was the kid. He was Billy Crystal's son in City Slickers. I do remember that as well. We should do so, that movie for the podcast. <laughs> oh my God. I love that movie. Uh, yeah. You know what? Might not be so bad. Um, so uh, yeah, I didn't know him that well, and to, except from Rocket. From I think uh, he does a good job. He, he does a very wide range of things going. Uh, he, he, yeah, he, I think his acting. Is I, good. I think both him and his sister 
have this quality that I think all good actors have where they're not conventionally attractive and they're kind of, if their features could were a little bit more defined in either direction, they would be ugly, but they're like ugly pretty. Like, I, think, I think Jake's real. I think they're both relatively attractive. I, mean, I think they got this Michael Shannon thing where they're just like an inch away from being ugly, but they're actually attractive. Well, his sister Maggie, I think, was having a more interesting career in the mid-2000s, early 2000s. And I think now... Jake Gyllenhaal is having the most interesting. Yeah, he's he's he's. Oh yeah, for sure. Jake Gyllenhaal has had a very interesting string of movies. He right. did Nightcrawler and Enemy, which is a movie I would suggest everyone yeah. check out. The boxing mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. No, Enemy uh, is Prisoner, a movie. Prisoner. Prisoner. I haven't seen that movie, but but he uh, was very good in it. Um, Enemy is a movie. A Prince of Persia. <laughs> <laughs> that was a down. That was when Maggie Gyllenhaal was doing the right, that good work. All right. So anyway, closing out this podcast, we've been rambling about Donnie Darko probably for too too long. And Richard Kelly. He's kind of disappeared. I just totally. Say. And yeah. I, I met him. You met year, him? A year and a half ago. Wow. I shook his hand. So what was he doing? We were at the Austin Film Festival together. Mm-hmm. He yep. was in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. And I got up, I summoned up enough courage. Like, have you ever like been in a room with a celebrity and you know you're going to come off as I didn't like... Know, I, I didn't know what he looked like until like, I, yeah. I, I well, didn't you, remember. But you, I didn't know you're just going to come off. Like, you know you want to say hi to him, but you're going to come off as like a douche because you're like, oh, I'm a really big fan. Yeah. Like, you don't want to be that guy and you don't mm. want to freak them out either because yeah. they're probably annoyed. So I went up and I said, oh, I'm a big fan. I'm I, a big fan of Donnie Darko, uh, you know, and thanks for writing stuff about Virginia because I knew he was from Virginia mm-hmm. and nice. that's where I'm from. And we shook So hands. you were creepy, but you just didn't realize it. Oh, yeah. That's good. But we That's talked good. about Virginia for about 30 seconds, and then he turned around, and <laughs> that was the end of the interaction. So, so there's a chance that he's listening to this podcast. It's possible. <laughs> Very slim one. Very But, you slim. know, um, I, I, he's a guy that if he makes another movie, I guess the way my closing thought would be, if, if and when he makes another movie, I will be curious to see it. Because I think that Donnie Darko has so much potential, and it's messy, and it's unrefined, but there's a lot of interesting things in there. And I feel like he's going to be perfect for television. You know, like he's one of those directors like John, like there's a lot of directors that— Like a show like Lost. Do you think? No, not even just a show like Lost. I feel like he's probably he's, he's a good. I mean, this movie showed that he's actually. I mean, he's, he was well directed. I mean, he, he's a he knows his uh, he knows his shit with the camera. He knows he knows. I mean, he knows how to put things together. I didn't see Southland Tales. The box I thought was was put together just fine. I thought the story was ridiculous. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that you know he's the kind of director that we're probably going to see pop up on you know you know Game of I don't know like Game of Thrones, but you know there's a uh, science fiction. Uh, Twilight Zone kind of shows ever kind of game you know, something like Black Mirror for instance you know Black Mirror's uh, this British show that's kind of like an, an anthology series have you guys seen Black Mirror? I have no. yeah so Black Mirror you, I highly recommend getting on uh, Netflix saying that you know whatever you want to say uh, get, go watching on Netflix Black Mirror it's uh, just it's definitely inspired by the Twilight Zone it's a, just a series of what if kind of kind of uh, science fiction um, uh, stories and um, I, I would I would think that Richard Kelly would fit right in to these this kind of uh, genre. Anyway, okay. so um, Mike, uh, I'm ready to wrap it up. Mike, do you have anything you also want to say? No, I think we covered it. Okay, I just want to say both these guys like were checking their phones when I was saying. I'm sorry. No, I we heard don't listen you. to Dave talk anymore. I, I, I've seen Black Mirror. It's good, Dave. <laughs> oh, you have seen Black Mirror. I've seen all of it. I have not. I have no way of knowing. I have not seen. You cannot really enjoy it. I have not seen the Christmas special. Neither so. have I. But anyway. Um, I'm a big Twilight Zone guy, so like anything that has like that weird dystopian bent, I'm always in for. Um, anyway, um, closing out this podcast, if you want to find us on the web, you can do so at reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us your thoughts on Donnie Darko at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. Mike, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on mikemirandi.com or on Twitter at Mike Morandi. David. 
Dave Glanz on Twitter, G-L-A-N-Z, and DaveGlanzProductions.com. You can find me at Ivan Kander on that Twitter. That's I-V-A-N-K-A-N-D-E-R. On the Twitter. Yes, can do. I can do. Um, my website is Lucky9Studios.com. I write and edit for a website called ShortOfTheWeek.com. And I re- recently released a Spider-Man fan film that has... I was just going to say, how can has we not been, ha, Has mm-hmm. been more successful than anything I've ever done mm-hmm. and anything I ever will do. So, dot com. <laughs> dot com. So um, <laughs> if you're interested, you can check that out. It's on YouTube. Just search, search for Spider-Man Lives. Um, yeah. So I guess we will see you next time. Mike, it is your choice for the movie. What are we doing? Uh, I was going to say Groundhog Day, but we mentioned uh, American, Beauty? American Beauty. What do you think, guys? I like American Beauty a lot. Which will I like better? Probably Groundhog Day. I have no, no idea. You know what? I'm very curious, actually. American <laughs> Beauty. Do you like Six Feet Under? I don't even know what that is. Okay. Uh. <laughs> is that a sandwich? What are, what are we? Yes, it's a sandwich. Do you like Six Feet Under? The, All right. It's, it's American kind of Beauty. Sandwich. We're going with a dark horse. All right. American Probably going to hate it. Um, Let's no, check I'm, it out. I'm, it makes sense. Sam Mendes just directed a, another James Bond movie. This is his uh, best director win at the Oscars. Here yeah. we go. We're going in. And um, so sounds very, very good. Oh, oh, Kevin Spacey joint, right? Oscar season. The one Oscars. Okay. It yeah. is Kevin Spacey joint. All right. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Thanks so much for uh, listening. Deuces. What? A strip club. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. And that's, that's where all the deals happen. That's where all the deals go down. I missed, missed something when I watched